This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Welcome if you're a guest. Glad you're here. If you need a Bible, get your hand up high. I'm going to go to Genesis 26. We're going to receive our tithes and offerings. Before I get there, I want to clarify some things with what I said about the marching. So I, I got a call this week, and the person on the other line said, you got to pray, you got to pray. This is a situation that's not good. You got to pray. You got to pray. You know, count yourself blessed when people are calling you to pray. That's a good thing. And so when I heard the stuff that was going on, I I realized real quick, this isn't good. And so when you get a bad report, don't throw in the towel. Understand God, God will use you. And so when I talked about there in Joshua 6 when the Lord said, March, When the Lord tells us stuff to do, those are your marching orders. And when he gives you marching orders, and just think about this, someone in the military, when you're giving marching orders, it isn't if you want to, you think, okay, I may do that later. You do it. And understand this, when the Lord gives you marching orders, the only way the walls of your life come down is for you to obey and do it. And so, so right now, I'm marching. There's times in my prayers that I, I am marching in situations that I realize if I don't obey and do these things, God's not going to move. And so I, I encourage you to get a hold of that. And just, just believe God that when God tells you to do it, just do it. Who cares what people think? People think you're crazy anyhow, so you might as well act like it, okay? All right. Genesis chapter 26 And this is interesting here because I'm I'm not going to read verse 1. But if you were there, you would would note that there was a famine in the land. In other words, it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. And so the Lord tells Abraham, he said, "Don't, don't go to Egypt, but go to the land which I tell you. So he gives him some orders right there. He said, don't go to Egypt. Go where I tell you. Now, when God tells you, go where I tell you, and you blow it off and they I'll do whatever I want. You can, but there's going to be consequences. And so we pick up in, in verse 3 of Genesis 26. Dwell in the land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For you and your descendants I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. Now, when you look at what he's talking about, he's saying, listen... I want to bless you personally. I want to bless you nationally. I want to bless you internationally. Every part of your life. Verse 4. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give your descendants all these land. And your seed, all the nations of the earth, shall be blessed. The word blessed means happy, fortunate, to be envied. Woo! We shall be blessed. Now, that doesn't just happen, okay? You got to dig in real deep here with me to verse 5. Because. Now, when I see a because, I I, I put that in parentheses. I mark it. Because when you see the because, there's a because factor. It just doesn't happen. And he said, because Abraham obeyed my voice, he kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. The five mys. 
my, my, my summons, my charges, my commands, my guidelines, and even my teachings. So the only way that we walk in the blessings of God, I got to obey. If I don't obey, it cancels everything out. And so it's one of those things, ask God to grace you to obey. Anybody in here have a desire to obey God? I want to obey you, Father God. I, I want to obey you. And so something happens when I do. You'll, you'll kick into these blessings just how he does, or how Abraham did, if I'll just do what God tells me to do. What was it? Obey. So I go back just, just real quickly in my life. The biggest changes in my life came when I personally started to give, to pray, and to serve, which is GPS. I started giving. Now, I will tell you this. To step out and obey the Bible in the area of giving, is it going to take faith? Oh, yeah, it's going to take faith. It's going to take crazy faith. You're going to say, Father God, you want me to do what? And God says, I want you to give me the first fruits. I want you to give me the best. I, I want you to, to give me the first before you've done anything else. Now, when I obeyed that, something happens. And then I begin to see with people that surrounded my life, I saw the significance of prayer. I saw what happens. Listen, guys, prayer is not punishment. Some people say, oh, pray. we got to pray. Prayer is a privilege. You get to talk to God. And then the third area was serving. If you serve in this house at all, I say thank you from the bottom of my heart. The Lord bless you. I served way back. And some of you say, you used to serve. I did. We had a bus ministry. And guess who the bus driver was? My bus driving was a lot better for the kids than going to the fair. I promise you. We had rides of their life. And then I was an usher for years. You know, this is scary. I used to work in the nursery, too. That's when they were desperate. They would trust me with their children. Mr. Stormy, is this how we make cookies? Now, shut up and get back in the oven. No, I'm just kidding. We didn't do that. Just kidding. Just kidding. No, I tell you these things because it's, it's huge for every one of our lives that We've got to learn these things. And, and in every one of those things, my giving, my praying, my serving, it draws me closer to God. It really does. It's something supernatural. So let me pray over tithes and offerings. I got off a little bit there. Father God, we love you tonight. We, we thank you. Ooh, Lord, deposit the same heart that was in Abraham within each one of us, Lord. That not only would we obey you, we would, we would obey you quickly and quietly. And Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your instructions. We thank you for your heart that, Father God, you are a heavenly father that loves to shower blessings on his children. And so we honor you for that tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You got your Bible. Go with me to the book of John chapter 5. We're going to dig in here a little bit more tonight, just in the area of faith. And I, I believe this will encourage you. John chapter 5, uh, as you're turning there, you know, everything in the area of faith has a starting point. Everything. And I, I begin to look at faith in this sense. I'll, I'll begin in verse 1, John 5, 1, when, we, when you get there. I begin to look at faith kind of like that as a, as a child. 
You know, when a baby is born, he doesn't do nothing, or she doesn't do nothing. They just lay there and look at you all day. Sometimes they cry a little, sometimes they eat, but they don't do nothing. And you know what's crazy? We're good with that. We understand that. And so before long, they begin to crawl. But they don't run until they crawl. They don't walk until they crawl. And so you look at a child, and when they begin to crawl, you're, you're elated. Look at them, look at them, look at them. And then before long, they begin to walk, and you know it's all a process. And then they begin to run, and, and you see the progression in their life. Well, I believe that's very similar to faith. You won't have running faith until you start walking, and you won't have walking faith until you start crawling, and you won't start crawling until you grow up. But think about this in the, in the natural. If there was a, a little bitty guy that was three or four, just sat there four years old and just looked at you, you'd say, something's wrong with him. And, and then if you've got a 10-year-old that's still crawling, we got problems. And then if you've got a 15-year-old that's still having a pro- hard time walking, so again, you begin to understand the process with us physically. But I believe that's very similar spiritually. So your faith has a starting point. Now this will come into play here. John 5 verse 1. After this there's a feast of the Jews. And we're not sure what feast it was. But we know that Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So Jesus is at the feast. Verse 2. Now there in Jerusalem by the the sheep gate. And let me just explain to you the sheep gate. The sheep gate was a place where the sacrificial animals were brought. And that's where they kept them. That's all that means. Okay. And so... There by the sheep gate was a a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. Now, the word Bethesda means the house of loving kindness and grace. Bethesda means the house of loving kindness and grace. How many of you could handle a little Bethesda right now? I, I wouldn't like just a little Bethesda. I'd like a lot of Bethesda. A a lot of loving kindness and grace. So it goes on to say, In these porches lay a great multitude, and I want you to highlight the great multitude. You know what a great multitude is? That's a lot of folk. And there was a lot of folk, sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed. And so you begin to see that these these people, and they they got some issues, all the conditions that the Bible notes. But look what it says they're doing. They're waiting for the moving of the water. So what that literally looked like or meant was a supernatural healing. So so get a picture. There's this pool and all these six folk, and I mean it's masses of them. They lay around the pool and they're waiting. Waiting for what? Keep reading. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool. And he stirred up the water. Now, think about this just a second. If an angel's involved, this has got to be a good thing. When angels show up, it's good because angels are ministering spirits that are sent to the heirs of salvation. Angels are representatives of heaven. So this angel's there. And and, and note some of the wording here. He went down at a certain time of the pool and he stirred up the water. So once the water was stirred up, Keep reading. Then 
whoever stepped in first, say whoever. Whoever stepped in first at the stirring of the water was made well of whatever. Go ahead and say whatever disease they had. Now you see something real quick right here. It didn't matter whoever or whatever. It didn't matter. And so when I read into that, you begin to see God's no respecter of person. And if the angel was coming down to heal, and remember who was the angel sent to heal? Whoever and whatever. So when you read into the Bible here, you understand God's into healing. Psalms 103 says his covenant name is he's Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, the God who forgives all our sin and heals all our disease. So we keep reading. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. 38 years is a long time. A negative condition for 38 years. Let me put that in perspective. Today is Pastor Evan's birthday. He's not 38, he's 50. No, I'm just kidding. He's, he's 35. Now, think about this at 35. That would be very close to his entire life having this type of negative condition. And so what begins to happen when you have a negative condition for that long, it's almost like you become hopeless. There, there's nothing that's going to take place that can help me. This is how it's been for 38 years, and this is how it's going to be forever. Now, with that thought right there, let me ask you something. Is there something in your life right now that you've given up hope on? Anybody in here? See, I've given up hope on that. It's okay. See, this happens to us a lot of times. I, I, I give up hope. I, I, I quit dreaming. Keep reading. Verse 6. And when Jesus saw him lying there, you can imagine. Jesus is at this feast, and here at this place called Bethesda, all these sick folk, a lot of them. And he's walking by, and he notices this one guy. Doesn't say he noticed anybody else, does it? But he noticed this one guy. And I believe that's what happens. God just comes across our tracks, and he notices, so Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew that he'd been in that condition a long, 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 long time. And Jesus said to him, do you want to be made well? Question mark. Jesus got right to the point, and Jesus literally said, do you want to be healed? Now, you could look at that and say, duh. What kind of question's that? To a man who's had this condition for 38 years. Now listen real close to what I'm getting ready to say. Yet God's work occurs in cooperation with our will. Let me say it again. 
God's work occurs in cooperation with our will. Let me explain. 2 Peter 3, 9 says that God is not willing that any should die or perish, but all would come into a saving relation. What is God's desire? That none would perish. Now let me ask you a question. Will there be people that will perish? Yes. Why? They didn't get in cooperation. They didn't align their will with God's will. So here's what happens sometimes, I believe, with us. We say, where are you, God? I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on God. But could it be that God's waiting on you? Hmm. See, think about this. God doesn't desire that any of us perish. But unless I receive Jesus as Lord of my life, I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth. I act on what the scriptures say. I will not be saved. James 1.22 says, Be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, because when you only hear the word and don't do the word, it says you deceive yourself. So could it be? The Lord's waiting on us. So Jesus asked him the question, Hey, pal, you want to be healed? Verse number 7. The sick man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when I come to the water store, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Now, it's interesting because the, the, the man's response is really, There's no way I can do it. It's hopeless. It's impossible because when I make a move for the water, somebody cuts in front of me. And so he gives maybe an excuse. Can't happen. But we go back to the question, and Jesus asked the question. He said, do you want to be healed? And what's interesting, the guy never answered the question. You would think he would say yes or no. But he never answers the question. Verse 8. So Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Now notice when the guy gives all these excuses, Jesus doesn't throw him a pity party. Jesus looks at him and says, listen, buddy, rise, take up your bed and walk. Now, it would be very easy for the guy to look at Jesus with another duh and say, hey, hey, Mr. Jesus, did, did you not pay attention how I got in here? Did, did you not hear me say that when the water stirs, I can't get there? Did so why in the world would Jesus say, rise, take up your bed and walk? Because Jesus was expressing the desire he had for what he wanted him to do. And when it says, take up your bed, that's where your home used to be. You're no longer sleeping in a place of despair. Now, when he says this to Jesus, or when Jesus says this to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. He's got two options. Option A, you're crazy, Mr. Jesus. Option B, he heard what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? Rise, take up the bed, and walk. So now he has the opportunity to step out by faith 
and do what Jesus said. And remember, his faith would be based on what Jesus said. His faith would be in Jesus. Or not. Verse 9. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, walked, and that day was the Sabbath. And I don't know if you realize, but Jesus had a bad problem. He healed a lot on the Sabbath. And it made the religious folk mad. They forgot. The Sabbath wasn't about them. The Sabbath's about Jesus, okay? And so I read here, he gets healed. And it goes on to say, and he answered them, or verse 10, the Jews therefore said to him, who was cured? It is the Sabbath, not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered them, and he said, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. So you know what he just said? He said, take up my bed and walk. And guess what? I believed him. Now remember, one of our definitions of faith is believing that Jesus is telling the truth. So there's something right there that began to happen when this guy heard Jesus' word. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing. You got to hear the word, okay? You got to hear the word. You got to hear the word. Even if you have zero faith, if you'll start hearing the word, you'll begin to crawl. And the more word you hear, the more you'll begin to walk. And the more word, you begin to run. But I got to keep getting in the word. And so not only did he hear the word, something within him believed the word. And when I believed the word, then he acted on the word. That's how it still works to this day. I hear the word, and what I do with it is up to me. Do I believe it? Now, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you just a little story here. That we were young in the Lord. And... We had one vehicle, and we needed another vehicle. And our, our depth of faith wasn't huge. doesn't have to be huge. It just has to be mustard seed. And so we needed another vehicle. Bad. But we didn't have a lot of money at the time. So we began to pray, and I said, we, me and Shelly, we just said, Father God, we come to you right now. Lord, we ask you to move in this situation. We believe you're going to open doors for us. Well, about three weeks later, I get a call that this bank has a repossessed vehicle that they're going to sell. So I go down and look at it. It's a 1977 Toyota Corolla station wagon. It had two positives. It had four wheels on it, and it started other than that, it had dents. This is the truth. It had holes in the floorboard. You could see the pavement. Not good when it rained. But that was where my faith was. And so, man, we kind of started praying. We started believing God. Well, they took the highest bidder. Well, long story short, I was the highest bidder. $325. I was so elated. We saw God move. Now, let me, let me sh share something here. I, I didn't have faith for a $1,000 vehicle. I had faith for a $300 vehicle. That's crawling faith. But you got to start somewhere. Start believing God somewhere. Don't, don't, don't think you're going to be a Mercedes when you can't even have a Toyota Corolla. 
Now, let me give you a little insight on that. Not only did God bless me, I drove that vehicle for 14 years. Couldn't kill it. Hardly anyone would ever want to ride. My daughter was terrified to ride in it. I mean, it's kind of like the Flintstones. You're, but most people, if they ever wanted to buy it, they'd say, give me, or to borrow it, they'd say, give me the keys. And I'd say, you don't need a key. Your house key will work. Any key will work in it. Just stick it in there and go. It's great. You never lost your keys. It didn't matter. At night, it's such a blessing. If you couldn't figure out what the key was, just jab one in there and you'd go. This is true. I, I, I blessed the lady with it, and some people too said, you blessed the I did. What's my point in telling you that? You got to start somewhere. Start somewhere. Turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 17. Oh, gosh. I get in trouble and tell you stories. Time-wise. Matthew 17. Verse 14. And when they, Jesus and the disciples, had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on me, my son, for his intellect suffers severely, for he often falls in the fire and often into the water. Now, I want to show you a couple things here real quick. This is obviously a man who believes in Jesus Christ. He kneels down to him, bows before him, and he addresses him as Lord. This is a born-again man, okay? It's important. When you're born again, man, you come under covenant with the Lord Jesus. And so he goes on to say all about this with his son. And, and man, I mean, it, it is not good what all is going on. Verse 17, or verse 16. So I brought my son to your disciples. I, I brought my son to your disciples. But they couldn't cure him. They couldn't cure him. Now, it shows me something here. They tried. They tried to do something, but they couldn't do it. Verse 17. Or, yep. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless, and that word faithless, the little translation, O faithless, is little faith. It's okay to have little faith. You just don't want to stay there. O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Now, you got to understand this. Jesus was never being critical of him. He didn't do that to criticize him. He just kept raising the bar, and it's like he said, Come on, boys, come on. And so what Jesus does next, he's always so good, he models what his desire for them was. So read with me, verse 18. Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon. He rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very moment. So again, he models what to do. Mark 16. And these signs shall follow those who believe in my name. They'll cast out devils. Let me give you another. Luke 10, 17. There were 70 that returned, and they said, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And in verse 19 of that same chapter, the Lord Jesus looked at him and said, Hey, 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 fellas, I give you permission to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over 
all the power of the enemy. Not some of it, all of it. So how do we do that? In the name of Jesus. So Jesus is, is modeling. He's teaching them. This is what you got to do, boys. Verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? What happened? So Jesus said, Because of your unbelief. Because of your little faith. And again, he wasn't, he wasn't scolding him. I believe he was saying, you're going to have to grow your faith. You're going to have to get a bit better faith. You're going to have to hang out with me. You're going to have to believe the word of God. And he goes on and then he says, this is what you do. Because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, that faith is tiny. That faith gets on the inside of you. That, that, that mustard seed just right there, tiny, tiny, tiny. You will say to the mountain. So did Jesus right here give us a nugget on how your faith moves? He did. He said, speak to the mountain. Speak to the obstacle. Speak to the devil. Rebuke him in the name of him. Speak, speak. So you know what? He's, he's showing us once again the power and authority that you have in your words that are accompanied by the name of Jesus. I got to have Jesus' name. But yet he begins to model this to me. And he said, you'll say unto the mountain. And so he goes on to say, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. So I go back. I'm 25 years old. I, I need a good job. Anybody in here need a good job? Has you ever needed a good job? I needed a good job. So me and Shelly got together. We began to pray. We began to pray. We began to pray. This is huge. You guys got to pray. You got to pray. If you're married, the prayer of agreement in Matthew 18 is the strongest form of marriage. When two on earth will agree. That's why the, the devil hates marriage. If you're not married, tough luck. No, I'm just kidding. You got to get somebody you can come into agreement with, okay? So me and Shelly, we grab hands and we pray. Man, we got to praying and we said, Lord, we're speaking to the mountain. The mountain is that I need a job, a good job. So we begin to believe. I'm telling you, this, this one was huge. 300 people applied for one job. That kept narrowing it down, kept narrowing it down. And, and, and they got down to five of us. I'm still in. We keep speaking to the mountain. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Woo, we, we keep speaking to the mountain. Gets down to two. I'm one of two. You know what? I'm in. You might as well make my uniform. I'm in. They give the other uh, job to the other guy. I'm out. I'm devastated. I mean, I'm, oh my God, what happened, Lord, what happened? I come home and she looks and said, no, 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 no. I believe God's got something better for you. And I thought, woman, you're crazy. Psycho. Thank God I had a wife that believed God and would pray. She said, we're praying. Two weeks later, the same guy who told the other guy got the job called me back and said, I've got a better position for you. Now I say that, leave God. Trust God. Thank you, Father God. So I read you this story. Now, you've got to go real, real quick. Go with me to Acts chapter 3, and I want to show, show you something here. Acts chapter 3. I'm, I'm going to move. I've got to move. Acts 3, verse 1. Now, Peter and John went up to together to the temple at the hour to pray, the ninth hour. And a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask to beg alms from those who entered the temple. 
So they had set him up right by the temple. And who seen Peter and John to go back, go into the temple, he asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on them with John, Peter said, look at us. Now, I want to highlight something about these two guys named Peter and John. Those were the same disciples that the Lord said, where's your faith at, fellas? The same two. They were there that day. Now, the reason I highlight this is their faith began to grow. They, they begin to, to heed the things of God. And, and he said right here, and Peter and John said, look at us. So the guy gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. And I, Rise up and walk. And Peter took him by the right hand and lifted him up in the middle of his feet and ankle bones gave, received strength. So he leaped up, stood, and walked and entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And so you look and think, oh my gosh, something happened. Peter and John, they knew the name of Jesus. But what happened is all found in verse 16. Look with me in verse 16. And Peter explains it to him. Now watch closely. And his name... The Lord Jesus threw faith in his name. Not just his name. When I speak the name of Jesus, do I have faith in that name that his name will do exactly what he said? That you will heal the blind, you, you'll cast out devils, you'll do all the things that Jesus said. So think about this. It's not going to do me any good when I just say the name of Jesus. i got to say the name of Jesus with faith. I mean, you know what? When I speak the name of Jesus, I believe something's going to happen. That faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through Jesus has given him this perfect sound in the presence of of you all. Do you see what happened with Peter and John? They begin to believe the word of God. They begin to believe when I speak in the name of Jesus, something happens. How does that take place? I read the word of God. I take time to get in the Lord's presence. I develop a relationship with him. And then when that begins to happen, man, I got faith that when I speak the name of Jesus, when I pray in the name of Jesus, whether that's for a $325 car or a job, when I pray in that name and I speak in that name and I have faith in that name, the Father God, I ask you in the name of Jesus, stuff begins to happen. So what I just did is I gave you a, a, a class of 101 faith in my own life. But you're at a starting point. Maybe you've never believed God. Start. Start trusting God. Start going before him. Say, okay, Father God. And, and get ready. You'll have a lot better adventures than Peter Pan ever had, I promise. You'll look and think, oh my gosh. I've seen God move in incredible ways. I've seen God heal. I've seen God deliver. Why don't you stand up here with me? (laughs) 
See, my faith and your faith will grow when I feed on the Word of God. You've heard me say this forever and ever. You get in the Word and God will get into you. Just day by day. Just keep, keep feeding your faith and starving your doubt. Before long, you begin to see what the Bible says. You know what? I'm standing on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E says this. And if God said this, that I'm just going to pray it, I'm going to believe it, I'm going to stand on it. So I ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. You, you may want to raise your hands to heaven here. I believe God's going to download some stuff in every one of us right now. Father God, we, we stand before you here. And Lord, whatever stage our, our faith is in right now, maybe baby, maybe crawling, maybe walking, maybe running, Lord, we ask that you stir within us that we have an unwavering trust in you and your word. And Father God, you said the just shall live by faith. Now, without faith, it's impossible to please you. So, Lord, I ask right now that you stir up that mustard seed within every one of us. And Father God, we thank you for your word right now. We give you glory and honor. And Lord, as we leave tonight, grace our faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.